You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. I am broadcasting here from a very special place to me, Spread Oaks Ranch uh, near Bay City, Texas. place has a tremendous amount of history, both in a Texas history standpoint and also in waterfowl hunting. This is an incredible rate, the place in the middle Texas coast. You've got, um, you know, what used to be in a tremendous goose hunting area, which now has become more of a duck hunting area, but it's still holds a real, you know, deep affection for waterfowl hunters, especially at this time of year during chill season, which we're here with DU Nation doing a film right now, which you'll be able to see on YouTube with uh, Micah and Alyssa Godwin, a couple of really great young taxidermists, uh, so it's going to be exciting, so got to check that out on DU Nation. But my guest today is a Texas waterfowl historian. He's written three books on Texas waterfowl history. Um... And if you haven't read them, you need to, because if you're a fan of history like I am, I mean, they're just really must-reads, especially from a Texas standpoint. So please welcome to the DU Podcast is Rob Sawyer. Hello, John. Welcome back. 
good trip from Mississippi, I think. It was. It's been great. We've been we've been moving and shaking, Rob. I mean, we've been filming all the way across from Louisiana, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas. Uh, it's been a great trip. Once again, people will be able to see all this on DU Nation coming on YouTube. It's going to be it's a fast paced organic series. So we're here talking today to Rob and. Like I say, this this man knows more about Texas waterfowling history, I think, than anybody I've known. It's near and dear to my heart. I got moved to Texas when I was a kid, right? I grew up in Mississippi, and uh, just through circumstances, through family, you know, like it often happens, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have a choice, right? Where are you going to move? So we moved to uh, northeast Houston, and I went from a world of basically mallards, wood ducks, two geese, right? And it was an eye-opening experience for a kid. I mean, uh, I would sit out on my front porch on, you know, on an October evening and listen to the snows and the specks flying over my house, heading west and east of Houston to the rice fields for where they were in the winter, and was just captivated by it. So I just, I had to become a goose hunter. And I mean, a goose hunting gets, really gets in your blood. I mean, wouldn't you say that's right, Rob? <laughs> There's no question about it. <laughs> There's no question about it. There's nothing like it. Once you become a goose hunter, duck hunting, which is great, almost becomes like, you know, a very secondary thing, man. It's just not the same. And it just, it really gets in your blood. So what we're going to talk about here is is... Houston is really at the center of two different waterfowling worlds, okay, from the east side of Houston to where we at on the west side. They were very different cultures, and I don't think people really, you know, really know that, and to this day, you've just got a different world on both sides of a, of a major city, one of the biggest cities in the United States. So Houston is sitting in the center of what is really some great waterfowl hunting. Um, so let's talk about, like you said, Rob, first of all, you know, the east side of area. When I think about the east side, I think about when I was a kid at, at Barrow Ranch. Very interesting thing. I don't know if you saw recently that Gunner Kennels um, put out a special edition kennel. They do, you know, a short run, and it was the Anawak. Yes, right? yes. You know, so somebody at Gunner obviously knows <laughs> the east side history. And the picture they even used was at the at Barrow Ranch. Really? You know, and I think it was one of the pictures you had in your book, like 1975, out in front of Barrow Ranch at the gate. Oh, yes, yes. You remember that shot? So, so that, that the culture is still permeating into mm-hmm. waterfowling, right? Good. So, talk about you know the East Side people, you know Winnie, High Island, Gilchrist, and you know what how they really got going and how it's different from over here. East Side and West Side, it was all about duck hunting. It was always about duck hunting. Now, the East Side had was fortunate compared to the West Side prairies in that they had all that um, that Southeast Texas, uh, almost Louisiana style black marsh. So. White geese were were always on the coast. They were always in that uh, three corner square grass that they burn off. So geese were part of their culture. Most of them shot ducks in the marsh and plenty of geese, but they never really developed the kind of that rag spread uh, culture in those days. It was all all ducks and geese and and a huge Louisiana influence. And of course, that Louisiana influence was a lot really about duck hunting. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and there's some real characters I remember from my youth. Guys like Forrest West, right? Gene Campbell, Jack Holland, Joe Legault. I mean, they were legends. And it's really interesting that, you know, on this trip, you know, that, uh, that we're hunting with uh, with Shannon Tompkins' brother. And Shannon was Shannon was really kind of the east side guy. Yeah, he right, was. On the Houston Chronicle when he wrote about it. He got it with Gene. He got it in Anahuac and right. Barrow's Ranch. 
So I learned a lot about the East Side from Shannon, right? In, in, right. The, in the paper, where you know, like Doug Pike was the West Side guy, right? He got it for Gore. He was a goose guy. So yeah, it was really interesting uh, the, the niches that those guys had within the within that world that they wrote about it, um, and that you know we're you know be hunting with the with the Shannon's brother. What was his name? That's again? Uh, Les Tompkins. Les Tompkins. I mean, tomorrow. So it's fantastic, man. I mean, I, I can't wait to meet him. So you've got that culture over there, you know, on the east side of Houston. And I'm gonna tell you, folks, it it uh, the worst mosquitoes in the face of the planet. I mean, I don't know if Vietnam was bad, it was worse. I've never been there, but I had to imagine that it, it's pretty similar. Well, you know, you raise a good point. East East Side was tough. It was it was black marsh. It was deep marsh. It was mosquito marsh. Uh, they they earned every bird they shot. Oh, it's the truth. You know, I can remember from you know from when I was a little kid. First started going to the Bear Ranch area I was around twelve. This is early eighties and. That marsh, it's hard to describe if you've never tried to walk through it. Right. I mean, you, you talk about, you could, you could. I mean, literally, it feels like you're about to sink and you're not going to get out of it, right? I mean, you're sinking to your knees in this stuff and you're trying to carry decoys across there. You know, we hunted this morning with a uh, great West Side guy, Mike Lanier, you know, another guy who was really a big part of it with Marvin Tyler and, you know, from the from the early days of the, of the goose hunting scene on Garwood Prairie. And he talked about that did Marvin, you know, knew Joe Lego, you know, pretty well and he was like um you know mike really you know it was his big goal man we got to go to the east side we got to check this out we got to go to bear ranch right and marvin was kind of laughing at him like you know well you got all this in your backyard but if y'all want to go over there i'll set it up they go over there and they meet joe at the shack right and everything like that and they they get their blind draw and everything and um he said they go out there and they started out with like three bags of decoys and by the time they got to the blind they had dropped everything but one <laughs> exactly. because they were about to die we trying to walk through that marsh and those are famous stories uh, people would go out the first time with all their regular hunting gear and joe legault used to say it uh, he would just follow the trails of discarded gunning stuff and that's where he knew where, where his gunners were he'd check on them say hello and then he'd follow the trail of discarded clothes and decoys back <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth, man. It was a bad deal. So, so the east side, you had to be very tough to be able to go in those marshes. And legends like Jack Holland, man, that you know, you had a great story in your book about Jack, you know, being caught by Joe Lego, you know, hunting on the backside. Yeah, he thought he could outsmart Joe Lego. He said nobody would walk from the the gatehouse, the uh, the um, the shack, to the coastal side. It was too many miles of black mud, too much marsh. And so he would sneak in with a boat, and he'd just poach the coastal side of Barrow's Ranch. Well, one day he sees this guy coming across, walking across the sawgrass, like as, as Joe Legault's daughter put it. She said, walking like a purple gallinule right across that marsh. Nobody could do it. And he was like uh, 58, 60 years old, and he caught him. And he said, uh, you, you report to the gatehouse tomorrow morning. Be there early. So Jack Collins expecting federal game warden, state guys, and a little bit of trouble. And he says, okay, I want you to guide for me every day for a week uh, as your punishment. And Jack Collins became one of the better known and more famous guides out of Barrel Ranch. Right. Jack Collins became, you know, one of the fixtures of, mm-hmm. of the east side, you know, along with Gene and, and like I said, later Forrest West, another guy that was, you know, his place, uh, Los Patos in, in Gilchrist was was one of the big outfits, really, on the whole east side in the, in the history of it. Uh, yeah, hey, folks, Joe Legault was like, what was Joe Legault? 5'6", man, maybe 5'7". Right, right. You know, weighed about 120 pounds, so if anybody could walk across that marsh, mm-hmm. it was Joe. Yep. Right? A guy like Mike Lanier, who's, you know, 6'4", you know, big man, hey, you, you try to get around that stuff, you you know, you could really not come back from a situation it, like that. Correct. And, and, and Joe Legault, for folks that haven't heard the name in a while or, or at all, um, there were a few legacy names in, in Texas waterfowling that... that 
that educated hunters about their sport as time progressed. And and one of his big contributions, one of the first to popularize, um, shut down at noon. Don't don't night hunt um, or evening hunt. Just just don't do it. You're you're driving your birds out. You'll have better hunting in the in the long run. And he was he kind of he's credited with that. Um, with that knowledge and, and getting that message out. And, of course, we follow that pretty much to this day all around the coast. That, that's the truth, and, and you're right about that. Joe was one of the first guys who really, you know, said, yeah, let the birds rest. I mean, give them some rest. If you don't let them rest, I mean, you're going to blow them out. I mean, too, too, too much pressure on them. You right. Know, you're not going to have success. Uh, another thing, I mean, Joe was a big Ducks Unlimited supporter. I know that. I mean, I know that D, he used to go to a lot of different events, stuff like that. I mean, he was a known figure, so he really, you know, he was a conservationist as well as anything else. And I think, you know, the legacy of the Bear Ranch, I, I, you know, a lot of it now, I think, is, is, is sanctuary. Am I correct? Four, four birds? Yeah, that's correct. Um, Joe and others, Jackson Ranch, um, they, they saw super ports coming. They saw development of our natural resources along the coast. And, you know, it wasn't an easy decision, but... Uh, uh, the bulk of that land now that made up that, that wonderful shooting area of coastal southeast Texas is either National Wildlife Refuge or state. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. So, you know, you had the east side guys, right? And like I said, like Pike and them, you know, they were they were the west side guys, you know, that really wrote about, you know, and you're talking about names like Jimmy Reel, Marvin Tyler, uh, Clifton. Clifton Tyler. Clifton Tyler, that's right. So those were guys that, you know, really 
made the white goose a, a big draw, and, and they, they basically had to figure out how to hunt them, right? I mean, you know, with the white rag spreads and all that. And, you know, talking to Mike today, you know, going from, you know, heavy, you know, cloth uh, rags to uh, to light plastic to wind socks. I mean, it kind of evolved over the years. But talk a little bit, Rob, about the West Side guys and their love for white goose hunting and how they turned into a business. Yeah, that's, uh, to me, a fascinating story because we talked about the East Side and, and they had they had ducks, they had geese, and, and it was a culture of, of two, you know, two different types of birds. Whereas on the west side, and when we say west side, we're talking about the Katy Prairie and what they call the Eagle Lake Prairie now in that area. And it it was all duck country, all potholes, uh, big mallard country. They had geese. They had uh, Canada geese, but they never had the white goose. White goose was always on the coast. And when Rice was introduced about 1900, and it took a, a while for the white goose to decide that I'm, hey, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the coast, and I'm going to this new grain. Gentlemen would sit at their duck clubs. Uh, both Jimmy and Marvin uh, guided that. Uh, sorry, uh, Jimmy Reel and Marvin Tyler guided that uh, Eagle Lake Rod and Gun Club, and and their clients would see all these white geese pouring into these fields uh, certain times of the year. Well, we want to go shoot those. So I think the first uh, Marvin Tyler shoot, Jimmy Reel said, I don't want to go out there. Uh, Marvin said, I will. Uh, was 1948, 49. And Marvin had no idea how to hunt them. So the evolution started, uh, the 1920s, people used to talk about using newspapers for both mm-hmm. ducks, particularly right. pintail, and, and today we call it litter. But uh, they put it out on the wherever they hunted, yeah. and, and this litter worked. So a group in uh, Baytown, Texas, uh, William Reed and um, uh, another gentleman said, well, look, these newspapers blow around. Let's try white cloth. And and one of their hunters uh, took it to Jackson Ranch, and one of those hunters took it to the west side. And the cloth rag was, was born uh, and, and moved from the east side to the west side. Well, the west side embraced it, all that rice country, and they they're their duck shooting was slowing down uh, quite a bit. As things do, you take the prairie potholes, turn it into rice country, it it changes. And, right, right. and some people say it was a good change and others not so good. They missed, you know, they lost their prairie chickens, they lost their pothole mallards, but they gained white geese and they gained speckle bellies. So on the west side, the uh, uh, the, the change, the, the big change where, where the um, knolls and the potholes were leveled for rice production uh, it had an effect. Uh, much less mallards on the west side. Um, all the prairie chickens were gone, but um, the geese started moving in from the coastline to the uh, to the rice fields, and that was uh, about 1949. And Marvin Tyler and Jimmy Reel were at Eagle Lake Rod and Gun Club as as duck guides, and their their hunters wanted to start going after them. Wanted to start hunting them, and Jimmy Jimmy Reel said, "Well, will you go, uh, Marvin? I don't want to mess with it." Marvin went out on his first rice field, and, and his son Clifton says, "Well, you know, he really didn't know what to do, how to shoot him." The uh, evolution of the uh, white cloth made its way. We call it the Texas rag spread, I think, because it started off mainly with cloth and then diapers, and um, and it worked. You could put out 30, 40 uh, pieces of white cloth, and these white geese would start screaming into. West Side Rice Fields, and a new sport was born. It uh, was popularized. It really took off in 1969. That's uh, where a lot of old-timers like us remember an ABC Wide World of Sports segment with uh, Andy Griffith, and Marvin Tyler was the host. And Marvin's business doubled the next year. It tripled the year after that. 
that you can almost point to, okay, it, there's the point when it became big business yes. on the west side for goose hunting. That's when people started coming from literally all over the world. Correct. I saw. I was a kid in February, watched that segment. Uh, I was on the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, and I was happy with my giant Canada geese. But I saw that, and I said, I want to lay out in a rice field and shoot all those white geese. And I finally got a chance about 12 years later. That's the marker to me is 1969, the you know American Sportsman, which was in a world nowadays we have you know you know I, I produced EU TV right we right. have channels devoted to outdoor television. There was one show. That's right. It was Sunday afternoon, and you and you and you were glued to that television. That's it, man. It was must watch TV. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I man, I can remember some crazy stuff like Hank Jr. turkey hunting, you know, right, and right. <laughs> Robert Stack hunting right. ducks in Mexico and stuff. Man, I can still remember those shows. You know, to this day, and Kurt Gow. Man, what a yeah, host that yeah, deal was. was. I mean, it was it was an incredible show. So, you know, like I said, so you got the East and the West Side cultures, you know, and then and then there's pockets of other folks, you know. I mean, you had people farther, you know, on the coast as well. I mean, you had that uh, duck hunting culture on on, on the uh, on the coast, places like Rockport, Port O'Connor, and they still hunt ducks there today. Oh yeah, yeah, mostly, and that's that's one of the neat things about Texas. The geographical variation is also uh, reflected in in waterfowl populations. Uh, Rockport is is known <clears throat> all the way to Baffin Bay for redheads and pintails. Right. Whereas when you look at the southeast side, you, you first think of the model duck, even though you can't shoot as many as you used to. There was a day when you could shoot um, 12, well, 25, then 12, then 6, then 2, then 1. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, it went down uh, drastically. And that was okay. mallard country. And, and uh, when, when Rice came out, I remember one dear old man, uh, Freddie Absher, that um, lived on Jackson Ranch. And... Uh, he said, "Well, you know, as the as that old mallard disappeared, we hardly we hardly missed it because the pintail started coming in. So they went from shooting ten mallards to shooting ten pintails, and they were just as happy as they can be. And of course, now the pintail numbers are dramatically reduced. Yeah, you know, you know, we saw another reduction in the pintail populations this year, and it was expected. You know, we had some really dry conditions on the prairies the last couple of years, and we right. didn't have any counts, right? So the mallards, you know, everybody that was coming were down, and the pintails once again took a hit. The blue teal, on the other hand, exploded, basically, you know, or up almost 30%. And we're seeing it here, you know, and y'all, you know, I can say once again, you got to tune into DU Nation, Okay. <laughs> on YouTube, yeah, that's correct. We got some great. We got East Side teal. We got West Side teal. Okay, and it's just you'll see that this is this is yeah I, to me the greatest place to hunt teal in the world is is right here on the Texas coast. You know, both on both sides of Houston. Yes, it is. And, yes, it is. So here's something I want to talk about too, because I hunt a lot in Arkansas now. Okay, and to me, Arkansas Delta there has become what the west side of Houston used to be as far as geese go, right? You've got all the snows and specks slid that way. You know, they're still in the central flyway, but I think once they get to that point, they they kind of slide, you know, east to Arkansas. One thing, the rice base changed, but, you know, I, I think you've heard you say this, Rob, it, it was a thousand little cuts, man, that pushed the geese over there. Yes, it was. You can look at it in the big picture long term, and, and they've always shifted. They've always moved. There never used to be a blue goose in the state of Texas. They are always on the west side of, of uh, western coast of Louisiana. Right. So, you know, the Cajuns could get mad at us for that big shift of blues our way. Uh, interesting, the speckle belly was dominantly shot on the Rio Grande Delta in Texas in the 1800s, early 19s, and it shifted this way. And uh, we've still got wonderful pockets of, of goose populations in Texas, 
but it, it's it's not like it was. And no, you yeah, you were telling me you had you know a pretty nice hunt in El Cabo yeah, last year. That's correct. And so you still can do it. It's just and I tell you, I tell you what they don't have in Arkansas is a goose hunting culture. Right, I Correct. mean, it's always been duck, 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 right. duck in Arkansas. Mallard is king. I mean, that's the other th- thing that people don't really know. You were talking about earlier that Texas coast used to be mallard country big time. Yes, I it mean, was. you look at the old photos of the straps; they were all mallards, right? And yes, they, that and people in Arkansas and stuff, you know, that, you know, who who and, and now in Kansas, Oklahoma, you know, where mallard is king, they, you know, uh, they 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 don't know that this this area was was big time mallards at one point. So you're right; the flyways I think are always shifting. Right, they're always shifting in response to to in I would say predominantly man made changes. Exactly. Well, there's you know. Ducks Unlimited is at the, at the forefront of trying to restore, you know, as much habitat as we can. But let's face it, Rob, you go to a place like the Katy Prairie. Well, I think Mike called it this morning. It's Katy Concrete. Yes. There a, there's no prairie left, right? I mean, right. It, it, when I was in high school going out there, it was it was rice country as far as the eye could see. All across the horizon, man, and there were fields and geese just flying everywhere. And it was just, it was the most incredible sight. And now, well... <laughs> You got subdivision. That's about it. I mean, and the whole yeah. thing has changed with the the very gigantic expansion of Houston. I mean, it's just blown up, you know, across, you know, yeah. it's hard to describe people who didn't grow up there to how big it is now compared to what it was then. Yeah, that's correct. It's it, it's really, Houston is blown up. We, but, have, um, we have suburban sprawl out, out here. You know, we're in Matagorda County. And right. Where we're, we're a few decades away from suburban sprawl, but now what's biting us is is what I call energy sprawl. Um, we we tend to think that um, um, solar panels and wind turbines are the answer to a whole bunch of problems. Well, if you value agricultural land, if you value land for native and, and migratory wildlife, uh, it's not the answer. It's covering, covering thousands of acres. We're losing classical, Jimmy Reel's classic uh, roosts in, in Garwood. Uh, solar panels now. Oh, that's right. I mean, the Pierce Ranch. I mean, you know, that Correct. was some of the great waterfowl country in this whole area is is turned into, you know, re- renewable energy kind of deal, yeah. which is great. I mean, it's not bad, but it, once again, it's just a huge change. There's a, you know? That's a price that has to be paid. And if you're an outdoorsman, a sportsman, or a naturalist, right. you're you're paying that price more than others. That's the truth. You know, like I said, we at DU, we really are, are doing everything we can. It's uh, it's a, it's an ongoing job. And I know right here at Spread Oaks, I mean, y'all have y'all have uh, done some tremendous work in, in partnering with Ducks Unlimited on this landscape. Yeah, that's been it's been wonderful to be a part of that. Uh, almost six thousand acres. It's got a conservation easement on it, and the uh, owner, Forrest Wiley, uh, is a big DU donor, and DU's had a big part in putting boots on the ground. Uh, we're up to six hundred acres of water now, over thirty units, and they're full of duck food. They're full of wildlife, and they will be in perpetuity. And every landowner that we can enroll in that type of thinking and those kinds of formal programs, it's it's just one, you know, it's a small win. Here, you know, locally it's a big win, but uh, it's just a whole bunch of small wins that will end up culminating hopefully into one a big win. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's a, that's a it's a huge tool that we've used to, well, it, I mean, you look at places like the Ace Basin in South Carolina. I mean, it, it would be golf courses and condos mm-hmm. if it was not for conservation easement. Right. I mean, that, that it keeps that land in perpetuity to where it's undeveloped, unspoiled wildlife habitat. And it's not just about ducks. I mean, you're talking about oh, it, it affects water and, if, you know, and every other species of wildlife. It really helps people. Um, that's one thing message we're really been trying to get across is that, you know, the work that we do, 
Yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's great for ducks. I mean, we're Ducks Unlimited. Let's face it, that's the name of the organization. But you know what we try to do, you know, helps people and other wildlife too. So you know, and like I said, just the work that we've done on the ground here and all over the Texas coast. I mean, the, the Prairie Wetland Project. I mean, and we are our great partners. You know, Texas Parks and Wildlife. We've got you know, you know, Fish and Wildlife Service. We've really, you know, without those partners, you know, it's hard to get it done. But to all together as a team, you know, we're really making a difference on keeping these places intact and unspoiled. So, Well, you, you said an important part of that message is, is that landowners that um, want to um, preserve the land, the, the culture, the heritage, the history, uh, wildlife, there's a lot of partners there to help. Both from right. a, a, you know, oftentimes matching grants and and from a knowledge standpoint. That's that's something that DU has become a masters of. Basically, is turning one dollar into three. Yep. Right, and that's the key. You know, because to, to conserve over fifteen million acres in eighty five years, without those partners, without those those matching dollars, it, it's not possible. Right. And so we really have have worked hard on in, in place like the Texas coast, Louisiana coast. But it's just. You know, this, like I said, this, this place is area is near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I lived in El Campo. Um, it, you know, I got it down here for many years, you know, chasing those geese. I was just thinking about that the other day. And my knees, I think, have paid a real price on the, uh, chasing <laughs> those birds across those rice fields, man. I mean, it's just, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, right? Right. I mean, it was, it was an incredible experience. So, you know. It's all good, but man, like I said, we can't thank you enough, you know, for hosting us here. You know, we got DU TV coming up again this December here at Spread Oaks. You know, we got DU Nation going on right now. So once again, I can't thank y'all enough for all for you and Forrest. I mean, the hospitality has been unbelievable. Well, we enjoy it. We love having you down here, and we love the storytelling. Yeah, that's right, man. I, you know, you and I get together, man, and we just can't help but start talking about the stories and, and, and waterfowling history, which is so important to me. I mean, I just love it. It's uh, it's an incredible deal. So, and it, it was fun coming to this ranch because I I, I enjoyed writing the and researching the, the history of Texas. You know, you look at the Chesapeake Bay and. There's a stack of 20 books, 30 books on it, right. the history of waterfowl hunting. In Louisiana, when I lived there, lots of books. I got to Texas, there weren't any. There, Texas didn't seem as if it uh, had had uh, anybody or any any tomes, any volumes of books. Uh, in those days, we read books. We didn't didn't go to the internet. And, right, right. And, and it was a lot of fun for me. So I had written a, quite a bit or a fairly good section on Matagorda some 15 years ago. And then I got a chance to work the same area where I had written the history. The Jennings Lake that runs through this property is a natural lake, and it was uh, just as a combination of rice as it came in and Jennings Lake roost uh, was probably the largest waterfowling area in this in this county. People right, would come right. from Denver. Um, Bay City was founded by a Denver duck hunter who wanted uh, wanted things like um, bars and food and a nice bed. Well, let's. Let's build a town so when we duck hunt in Texas once a year. Uh, so they founded a town, Bay City, 1896. And they hunted, right. they hunted Spread Oaks, well, what became Spread what Oaks became Ranch. Spread Oaks. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston. I mean, some tremendous characters within the, the, the Texas history uh, were right in this area. You know, so uh, let's see. Let's just uh, go through your books real quick, Rob, and see. It's it's a hundred years of Texas waterfowling history. Is that the first one? Well, you know, I started off because I, I uh, Harry Walsh wrote this seminal volume called The Outlaw Gunner, and Harry Walsh lived across the river from me uh, in the Chesapeake Bay, and I I just grew up with punt guns and all the stuff around me, and and was I said, well, 
man, I, I read a Shannon Tompkins article and he talks about market hunting. I'm going to do the market hunting of, of Texas as a history book. So that's what it started out as. And, and along the way is when I discovered all the rest of the Texas history, the, uh, the old gunning clubs and, and people from around the world that would come to Texas to hunt. And um, so I said, well, I'm having fun with this. So I put out another book first, which was uh, the history of the guides that carved decoys in Texas, the hunting clubs. And that was called 100 Years of Texas Waterfowl Hunting. And one of my critiquers said, well, really, you didn't. It's about 175 years you covered, but it, that doesn't read so good. <laughs> right. And the second one I put out was the market hunting book, and, and that one's uh, uh, kind of near and dear to my heart. And then I put out a coffee table book, which was all the photos that I collected over a decade, which is some 400 and some old photos of Texas waterfowling. Oh, yeah, and, I love I, I take that book out often and just... And, and just you know, look through the photos. I mean, because it's just to me, it's it's a it's a look inside a window in time of a very different culture. Like you know, you look, downtown Houston, sporty good story. Right. People lined up with ducks across the front. You could you imagine if that was going on today? My gosh, people would freak out. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the police would be called. Yeah, the police would be called, man. But that was just that was a way of life. It was right? a different culture. Those ducks were on everybody's plate. Yep, that's right. I mean, it was a whole different culture, and Houston, like I said, is in the is in the middle of it, literally uh, of the of of the of a great waterfowling tradition. And, and you do a really good job because that's exactly right. Um, that that eastern Cajun and in, in different landscapes on one side, and then the, the west side's got that wonderful German and Bohemian culture and uh, very different worlds, and they. They met a lot of times, and when they when they would meet in the outdoor world, uh, good thing good things happened. Good things happened, man. Houston, Texas, man. You know, it's not just the uh, the Texans and the Astros. It was uh, that's right. the, the duck and the goose hunters, right? <laughs> As it, well, it's, it uh, surely was. Most people don't think about Houston and think about that unless you you know lived it like like we have. So anyway, well, Rob, I, man, I surely have enjoyed this. This has been incredible. Um, you know, thanks again for having us down. And like I said, folks, you check this stuff out on DU Nation. It's it's uh, it's going to be some cool content. Thanks for having me, John. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening once again to the Ducks Unlimited podcast and supporting DU and wetlands conservation. John, I'll see you in a duck blind tomorrow morning. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. 
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 